0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. It is really a joy to be back in Singapore. Um, I would have to be honest and say that Singapore is one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, I'm not just saying that, my wife knows this. Um, I find a lot of similarities between dubai and singapore um and i just think it's a it's an amazing uh gateway hub apostolic city for for the region and um i mean i love the food oh i can preach for 40 minutes on the food that you guys have in this city and uh i think shopping is great here too i just think it's a great city uh to live in so you guys are really blessed uh to live in such an amazing um uh, nation and uh, we've had the privilege of Uh, it's kind of still getting to know Daniel probably, um, I think the beginning of 2015 is when I kind of, uh, heard about him and began to meet with him, and we've had only a few conversations. But the little bit of time I've been able to spend with him has been a, a real joy. Um, you know, I know that uh, in our conversations he's uh, mentioned you guys. I had a privilege of being able to be with you all uh, last year. So um, I'm excited for um, what God is going to do. Um, I'm not fully sure what God's going to do. I have an idea, but um, very often uh, He just tends tends to become Jehovah sneaky um, ends up doing things that were not planned, which I don't mind at all. I'm absolutely, I don't mind at all. I tell people I, I, I am a novice and I want to remain that way. How many, you know, uh, the Bible says that you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you become like a child. I've met many professional Christians. Some of you got that. Um, you know, it really is about a relationship. I I was not born in a Christian family. I'm the first one ever in every generation, if I look back even in 10 generations, to be a Christian in my family. Um, I was born in a Hindu family from a business family. Long story, but uh, when I got saved, I literally did not know anything. And 15, 16 years later, I'm almost in the same place. Because the more I walk with him, the more I encounter him, the more I realize how much I don't know. And I've realized that, that if I can have that heart posture... God goes, there's no limits to how much I will show you and how much I will move in you and through you. And so there's a beauty when we come with a humility, when we come with a teachable heart saying, Hey, Lord, we really don't know what, you know, we don't know much. um, But we want to keep our hearts tender before you. And we want to be able to really know you, love you and love people with all our hearts. And so it's been a real joy just walking with Jesus. Um, If I was to say anything, the one thing I would say is this, is that, um, well, let me say it this way. How many know Jesus is not a concept? He's a person. Some of us, we want principles and we want concepts more than we want a living Christ. Because when you have a living Christ, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Right? When you have a concept and when you have a principle, you can make a formula and you can put god in a box and say okay this is this is the way you're this is who you are this is the way you're supposed to move and when god does something that's outside of our mindset sometimes it shocks us sometimes it even offends us if you study the gospels very often jesus would do things that were offensive he didn't want to offend people he was just showing them showing them the way of the kingdom and it offended people in other words when he was expressing what heaven was like when it offended people it actually dialed up and insecurity in their hearts but when you place your security in a person it's amazing how when things around you are shaking you're not shaken so that was free uh, that was not part of even even part of my message but can i can i um uh, who is the sister who was on the keys is that you hi what's your name mel. mel can i can i ask you to come on the keys for a few minutes is that okay I, um, I was actually going to go first straight into the word, but I felt like I need to minister to a few people and then um, we'll get into the word. So I, I'm not really sure um, you know, where you guys are at when it comes to the prophetic. I know people have all kinds of mindsets. I've been around people and, and when I'm around them, they get nervous and afraid. And I'm like, why are you nervous? And they're like, I just, prophets freak me out. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm a New Testament prophet. Uh, uh, I minister out of the grace of God and out of the kindness of the father so don't worry. And, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, they're just people who just have a wrong mindset on the prophetic because they, they still have a old Testament paradigm when it comes to the prophetic, which is scary. <laughs> to be honest, when I read about some of the old Testament prophets, I'm like, thank you God that I live in this day and age. I meet a lot of Christians who are like, um, Hun, can you pass me a water bottle please? I meet a lot of Christians who are like, you know, what would, what, what would it be like if we lived in the day of Jesus Christ? And I'm like, it would have been really glorious. It would have been amazing. But I think we're living in a better time. Some of you are not convinced. A lot of people say that we live in the most dangerous and the most darkest hour. I'm not convinced that's reality. We live in the most populated time where the world is, has over 7 billion people. And as you have a growing population across the globe, things are going to happen. But I think the world is actually becoming a better and better place. And, and if you're in a place where you're like, no, no, the world is becoming worse, it's probably because you're focusing on the wrong thing. God is doing so much across the planet that when you start to realize and focus on what he's doing, you can't stop but to say, man, we are in an amazing hour. It's an amazing time to live in. And if the church of Jesus Christ will begin to be convinced of that reality with a real revelation of the heart of God, there is nothing that we as the church cannot overcome. And how are we going to be the hopes for our city if we are not convinced that he is utterly good, right? We sang, um, you'll never give up on us. Are you convinced of that reality that he'll never give up on you? God is extremely good. He's not just good. He's extreme in his goodness. God is really, really kind. And one of the beautiful things about the prophetic is when the heart of God is on display, I have seen, I've I've had the privilege of prophesying to many, many thousands of people, many leaders. And I've seen people who are believers. I've seen people who walked away from Jesus. I've seen people who belong to different religions who I can't even mention. When I begin to prophesy, I've seen grown men and women break down who don't even believe in Jesus, break down in tears, not because of me. Because I am, I am honestly, very, I'm a very simple person. My wife will tell you, I'm very, very simple. There's nothing really special about me. I am exactly like all of you. I have the spirit of the living Christ living on the inside of me. So trust me, if I, being born in a Hindu family, coming out of a lifestyle that you would be shocked I mean, drugs, alcohol, name it. Fights like you wouldn't believe. If I could come out of their lifestyle and God can use me, He can use anyone. Anyone. And so, I mean, I see these people just break down and weep because the heart of God is on display. When you hear what God has to say, you cannot, you can't help but to fall in love with Him. Right? One of the greatest ways you get to know the nature of God is by hearing Him. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. In other words, whatever God says was first in His heart before it came on His lips. So when you hear the heart of God for people, you can't help but to fall in love with humanity. I said humanity, I didn't only say the church. Do you know God honors every human being, not only people in the body of Christ? You'd be surprised, there are Christians out there who will fight you on that. they are be like, no, no, God honors his people now God honors everyone I want to propose to you when the father looks from heaven down to the earth he looks at the earth through the shed blood of Jesus Christ which changes everything because when he sees everyone through the shed blood of Christ suddenly everyone deserves honor everyone deserves kindness and love and when you take that with the prophetic it is powerful what God can do absolutely amazing are you okay if I share a few testimonies? Sometimes when we when we hear testimonies, it's good to hear testimonies because it, you know, the testimony prophesies what Jesus wants to do again, right? Revelations nineteen, the testimony of Jesus' spirit of prophecy. Prophecy literally is what God is about to do, right? It's it's futuristic. It's what is going to come. And sometimes the reason I love hearing testimonies is because it stretches my mind. And there are times I sit and I hear testimonies of friends of mine who are in different parts of the world. And I feel like God is rewiring my brain because I'm just like, wow, I didn't know that's even possible. I don't know about you, but that messes me up. And I hear stuff that I'm like, that's not even in the Bible. That's not even in the nine gifts of the Spirit. Like, where do you put that? That's the thing, you can't put Him anywhere. He's God. (laughs) So we had a prophetic conference this year in March. And I remember in between one of the sessions, um, one of the speakers was being brought to the auditorium and uh, the place, the hotel that we had put him in uh, is, is on the palm. I don't know if you guys have heard the palm. There was a bit of construction, so we was stuck in traffic. So, so myself and the, another prophet friend of mine who was sharing the platform, um, he said, hey, uh, since they're stuck, we're having worship. We'll just extend worship for a bit. We extended worship for about 15, 20 minutes. It was phenomenal. And it was like, they're still going to take another 40 minutes so we're like okay and he says hey why don't we model what, what it looks like for prophets to minister together just, just, let's just minister and I was like I have no idea what that looks like but okay cool and he's a good friend of mine and you know I mean uh, really have a lot of love for this guy so we went back in the auditorium began to worship I had a few pictures had a few words we got on the stage and we began to minister we're calling people out so a word of knowledge is very simple a word of knowledge is information given to you by the Holy Spirit does everyone know what a word of knowledge is it can be anything Many of us have seen it only in sickness. Somebody has a pain in their back. But it could be first name, middle name of someone. It could be the street address you live on. It could be the phone number. It can be pretty specific. So we began to call out a few words, pray for healing, began to prophesy. And then I stood on the stage and I'll never forget this moment. And I pray I'll never forget this moment till the day I stop breathing. I stood on the stage and I said, I had a vision of a young girl. And now, because we were operating in healing, I said, I had a vision of a young girl. You're probably between the age of four and six. You were sitting on Jesus's lap. And I heard the word stunted growth. So I called the word out, maybe about 600 people. No one responds. And sometimes I just stay and I call the word out again and again because I've learned very often what will end up happening is I'll call the word of knowledge out. I used to do this before years ago. I it out and I will just move on. I'll say, okay, maybe I missed it. And 90 percent of the times people come up at the end, "I'm so sorry, I'm so shy." We just tell people in our church, "If you don't respond, I'm not going to give you the word. Why? Because in everything you're doing or not do- doing, you're creating culture. See, if I give a word of knowledge, I'm absolutely okay if I miss it. Like I'm a son. God still loves me, I'm still his favorite. So uh, for me, uh, my identity is I'm a son, so it don't, it don't make a difference to me if I miss it. I'm learning. I I don't, you know, claim to be super prophetic, super prophet. No, I'm just like, hey, I'm a son and I'm learning. But the reason we stay on is because if the person doesn't respond, then people who, we have a lot of people who don't know Jesus coming to church, they think this is not even real. Are you with me? But when they respond, then others go, oh my God, God's really talking. And it creates faith in the room and the anointing suddenly shoots up and then what begins to happen i always notice this the first two three words something begins to come into the room and then you just feel like sometimes a glory sometimes just the lord begins to move in a greater way and so no one responded i said it again no one responded i said it, i think four times and this prophet friend of mine who's next to me we were ministering together it was the strangest thing i would start a prophecy and then he would come and finish the prophecy and then he would start and I would finish. And it was like, people were like, wow, that's on. And, and people were like, it was weird. It was like, you both were listening to the same spirit. I was like, duh. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun. And so he does something interesting. He says, you know what? I really believe this vision is of, is of the Lord. And I believe the girl's name starts with H. And I'm looking around. He's on the left side. And, and there's, a, there's a couple in our church. The girl just joined our staff part-time. Her husband comes up and he's a grown man from a particular nation where men don't show a lot of emotions he's weeping he whispers something in my friend's ears the guy turns around and says you need to hear this i'm like what he says that they had a daughter her name was hannah she would have been about five or six she died when she was i think just conceived because of stunted growth i was seeing in heaven this beautiful girl called Hannah looked beautiful, no stunted growth she looked like she was between 4 to 6 no, nothing wrong in her development and I began to prophesy the heart of God and this family began to weep because the mother came up to me and said the day before I said God I'm not even asking for myself I want to know how Hannah is yeah you can give the Lord a hand for that I just think it's amazing I mean God would do that I know that for some of you it's like what is he talking about heaven is really real heaven is all around us we sing right heaven is really real angels are really real in fact that world is more real than this one the reality of heaven is more real than the chair you're sitting on we just need eyes to see so just because some of us are going through a tough time we go I don't know if heaven's even real oh heaven is real it's more real than this environment. And it's more closer than you think it is. Heaven really is in this place. I mean this place now. A month later, we had this uh, meeting in our church we, we call God Encounter Meetings. It's kind of a revival service. Three or four hours, people just spend themselves in worship. And sometimes I might teach, but very often we're just into ministry time. It's one of my favorite gatherings of the year. We meet a few times, five, six times a year. You know, it's just just relentless worship and it's just amazing we spend ourselves in jesus and one of the favorite parts of the meeting for me is not i minister because my heart you know the bible says that the fivefold are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry for me i have more passion in equipping people to hear god's voice than myself so i have people that i've been training for years in our church and then i have a smaller group that i've put through an advanced prophetic school and some of these guys are phenomenal i mean they prophesy like wow i'm really really proud of them so i get them on the stage and they just minister and it's crazy they'll call people's names out uh one lady she's like a, a, in a mid or late 40s she's a mom who's part of a family business you know she's not the kind of person you look at and think wow prophetic it's just a simple person she's walking and she's ministering and she stops a person and she says, i feel like god is saying you're like uh, naomi in the bible and the girl's name is naomi and she begins to prophesy. I mean, just amazing things. They're calling people out, prophesying people getting healed. And there's a lady that, they were, that was receiving prayer. And I know this lady, but I don't know her very well. I just remember that she's in our church. And I remembered. So I knew this part that she lost a son or a nephew, somebody in her life. So I knew that. So I said, and now I'm looking at her and I'm not planning to minister. I'm just telling the guys on team, you minister, I'll cheer you on. And they're praying for her and I'm looking at her and every time I'm looking at her, I'm seeing something and I'm thinking, I, I can't shake it off. I need to share this so I said I know you lost someone a couple years ago a son or nephew and she's like a son and I begin to describe her son I've never met her son I said he's tall he's dark he has glasses I see him in heaven and he's running with Jesus she breaks down and weeps I said he plays this sport she says yeah he plays I said basketball and she said no not basketball soccer so I was like okay cool but then I describe how he looks like I've never seen him and I find out that that's how he looks like And I said, I don't know why, but I keep on seeing your son running with Jesus. Later on, I found out six months before our son died, he was on dialysis. He couldn't run. She lost her 24-year-old son and I'm seeing her son running in heaven with Jesus Christ. Before he died, he couldn't run. Do you know what kind of healing that brought to this mother's heart? That is kindness overload. I know about you, but that messes me up. I just think, wow. I want to minister to a few of you, and so uh, I believe God's going to speak to some of you. Um, just begin to pull. What I mean by that is if you're hungry, just in your heart, say, God, I believe you're going to speak. And it might not even be for you, but here's the thing. When you celebrate somebody else's breakthrough, God goes, ooh, I like that. If, you're, if you have jealousy and envy in your heart, which I'm sure you don't, because you're, you're you guys are perfect, somebody who used to have that when I was a young Christian, it's not going to get you very far. But when you can celebrate people's breakthrough and get excited, God goes, yours is coming. All right. So I want to share something uh, that's pretty simple. Thank you. Uh, What is it? Mel? Mel. Mel, thank you so much. Can we just give Mel a hand? Thank you so much. I love the local church. I'm a local church guy. And so I love when I see people serve and give their lives to the church. It's the best place you can serve. Amen. For those of you who agree, amen. All right. So I want to just lay a foundation on the prophetic. I want to talk to you about something that is pretty simple, but I felt I was supposed to share this. And so, you know, I'm not... I'm not here to try to wow anyone. I want to just share something simple that will help every single person. Something you can take, you can kind of walk and you know uh, walk in it and and take away something. Is that cool? All right. So, I want to first build a bit of a foundation. If you look at the Bible, if you look at the scriptures from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, you see a huge shift. You know, we have a lot of people getting saved in our church. We have a lot of people being added to our church, as Daniel mentioned, is a fast-growing church. And one of the questions that a lot of new believers ask, or people who've been walking with Jesus for a year or two, they ask this question, they're like, it seems like we have two different gods in the Old Testament compared to the New Testament. It's just, it feels like two different people. Has anyone ever thought that? Right? Right? Is that it feels like in the Old Testament, God was very different to who he is in the New Testament. It feels like God changed. But the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the Old Testament, you see something throughout the scriptures. You see God would choose a man. God would choose a woman. He would choose a Moses. He would choose an Esther. He would choose an Elijah. He would choose an Elisha. He would choose a Joshua, right? And very often what would happen is he would anoint one of these guys and they would lead the people of God. If you're new to the faith, the people of God in the Old Testament are, are, are the Israelites. And so very often what would end up happening is that God would anoint a man and he says, your role is to lead my people out of the wilderness into the promised land or your role is to lead my people out of captivity. Are you guys with me? The point is throughout scripture, you would see God would anoint the man, he would anoint the woman. Esther would rise up, God would anoint her, she would be brought into the palace and she would bring great deliverance to a whole nation. But it was one person. Throughout the scriptures, you would just see constantly one or two people that would rise above everyone else because God would use them, God would put his anointing and his spirit on them and they would be the voice of God for the people of God. I mean, you got to think about this. Moses at one point, some theologians believe he led three million people. Can you imagine being a pastor of three million people? I mean, three million people. I mean, if he did the counseling cases, oh, Jesus. When people come to me for counseling, they never come back. I'm like, I'm not a pastor. I, I love people. I'll do the best I can. But for me, after an hour, I'm like, get over it. And this is what the Bible says, just do this. <laughs> so people are like, where's Govin, who's our pastor? And they'll be like, I'm like, uh, Jesus, help me. But three million people. And very often, Moses was in charge. He had to make the decision. God would say, we're going this way, we're going this way. And so the the the... The implication was God would use one man to lead a whole nation. Or God would use an Elijah to stand against the enemies of the people of God. But there would be one person that God would use. Very often that's what you see in the Old Testament. But I want to propose to you that was never the heart of God. See in the Old Testament, the Lord would put his spirit on a particular person in a very unique and special way. And all the people of God would be standing back, watching and following this man or this woman, right? They'd be in awe, oh my God. Very often the Bible says people were afraid when Samuel would come into a particular town. People would be afraid or they'd be in awe of Moses. They'd be in awe of Joshua. Why? Because God was using them in a unique and special way while everyone else was kind of on another level. Have you ever felt that? Let's be honest. You see a man or a woman of God ministering preaching, teaching, leading worship, prophesying, whatever it is, and you go, oh my God, that was never God's intent. When I got saved, God was so kind, He gave me two mentors in my life. This is in New Zealand. One of them was a seer prophet and the other one was a great miracle worker. And very often, the first couple of years, I would be in awe of them and there would be a distance in my heart between them and me because I would be like, oh my God, I could never do that. But the more I began to walk with Jesus Christ, the more I began to read the scriptures, I realized... Hold on, their example is supposed to be my platform. Their life should be my beginning stage. I should do more than what they are doing. I tell the people in my prophetic schools, listen, you need to go far more, uh, let, let, let me rephrase this. What you see God doing in me and through me is the foundation for you. You should believe God for far greater things than what he's doing in me. I'm here to serve you. I'll come under and serve you to come up so you can do this and far more. Because the heart of God is always this, is God has always wanted, if I was to sum it up, the kingdom is about the king and his kids. The kingdom of God is about a father who loves his kids and he's telling his kids, you can have it all and we can change the world together. In the Old Testament, we didn't have that. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God wasn't residing on the inside of every single Israelite. He would come gloriously on one person and this one person would do amazing things. You would see Elijah, you would see Elisha do extraordinary miracles, unusual miracles. What about Joshua? He made the sun stand still for a day. I mean, don't even make me mention Ezekiel. We would be offended. Joshua... I mean, you look at the stories, just absolutely wild miracles, crazy things that God did that was just so amazing, but he did it by the elite, one or two people, the man of the hour, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been in churches where I've seen the man of the hour and I'm just like, oh man, this is not the way it's supposed to be, you know, walk in with five bodyguards and make way, I have arrived. While everyone else is sitting in the place where they're like in awe of a human being. Listen, there is honor, there is respect, but at the end of the day, Jesus leveled the playing stone, the playing field, when he died on the cross. I want to propose to you that it was always in the heart of God that every one of his kids would be able to do the stuff. It was never in his heart that one man or one woman would rise up. He did it in the Old Testament because of the fall. But his heart and his passion was always this, that many, many people from many different nations, millions upon millions upon millions of people who would say yes to Jesus Christ would have the spirit of the living God placed on the inside of them and they would be able to do the very things that they read Jesus and what he's done. Are you convinced that you can do everything that Jesus has done? If not, we need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. And I want to show you a few, a few passages in scripture that I think is absolutely phenomenal. Jesus changed it all. Sometimes we don't understand the transition that the cross brought us into. We don't understand the era that the Lord ushered us into. And so if you have your Bibles, you can have it open to the book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 is there any internet here or can I borrow your bible somebody's bible because I'm usually connected online how spiritual am I no bible I have bible on my ipad but it's always online thanks so much where's your bible did you bring your bible no I'm kidding Matthew chapter 4, we see an amazing passage of scripture that I think is absolutely phenomenal. Matthew 4 and verse 23. Are you guys ready? Uh, all right, here we go. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. I love this picture. It's almost the inauguration of Jesus's ministry. He shows up on the scene. Now, if you've read the few chapters before, Jesus, you know, he's, he's been uh, fasting. He goes to the waters of baptism. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. He shows up on the scene. And one of the first things you see Jesus do is he begins to move in the miraculous. He begins to do amazing things. It's interesting because Jesus shows up on the scene. He begins to display the power of God. And in the Old Testament, like I mentioned early on, in the Old Testament, God would choose one man or one woman. And they would lead the entire church or the entire community of the people of God into the purposes that God had for the community. But now I'm about to read a passage of scripture. And I want you to feel this moment in the scriptures. There are moments in the Bible that... We read and we just kind of read it, we go, oh wow, and we go next page. But there are moments when you begin to study the scriptures, if you read what theologians wrote, if you understand the time frame in what Jesus was doing and what he was saying, he was shocking people, but he was creating culture. I want you to know more than, you know, Jesus was not just a revivalist, Jesus was a reformer. He reformed people's thinking. He reformed the way society thought about the poor, about the broken. There were things Jesus didn't said that if you understood what he said, people wanted to stone him. For example, Jesus went and he actually touched a leper. In the Old Testament, if you studied out, lepers in the, in the Jewish community were sent out of the city, far into the desert, away from everyone else. People didn't even want to look at them. It was a disease that was so, so bad that, you know, there was so much of rejection involved in leprosy. Jesus went and in the one moment, touching somebody who had, lep- who had leprosy and healing them, in that one moment, you can hear people <gasps> gasping. It wasn't just, oh, Jesus touched a leper. No, 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 it wasn't like that. He touched a leper. People were shocked around him. Because for thousands of years, their great, 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 great grandfather, grandfather, dad would tell them, never go near lepers. It's not allowed in our community. The love of God will help you to cross every societal boundary that's not based on his nature. I thought that was a good word too. See, the love of God, the Bible says, compels us to cross every societal boundary that's not placed by the nature of God. Jesus did things that so shocked people that they were like either offended or they wanted to stone him or they thought he's the false Christ or they were just like, this must be the Messiah, so let's follow him. There was no no in-between. It was either he's the one, or it was he's crazy, or it was let's murder him. You have all of those in the scriptures. And this is one of those moments in the book of Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus does something that's honestly to a a Jewish man. If I was a Jewish man living in that day, I've thought about this very often. I don't know how I would have responded. I hope I would have been like, yay, yay. But very often, I think I would have been like offended. I'm just being real. Can we be real in church? I think if we place ourselves in the scripture when we really read it, we need to put ourselves in the position of the people around and say, God, what were they going through? Because to me, when I read this passage that I'm about to read to you, I probably would have had a difficult time because I would have been like, no, no, I know the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. I know the Torah because Jewish kids very often were taught the Torah, recite it, learn it, memorize it. So Jesus is standing and he's about to say something absolutely out there that is about to blow their minds. You guys want to hear? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. I'll read from verse 6 in fact. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's telling his disciples, Fishermen, they're no one special. They're not like these holy guys who are fasting on the mountain. Fishermen. In those days, fishermen were the most simple people. They were known to have bad language. They were known to be smelling, reeking, because they're fishing all day, catching fish. They were really simple. Everyday people like yourself and me. This is what Jesus goes on to say. And as you go, preach... First shocking statement. No Jewish man can just up and say, I'm going to rock up on the scene and preach. That don't happen. That's like a no-no. So first of all, he says, go and preach. Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he says something that is mind-boggling. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. In other words, The hour for one man show has finished. All of you can do what I'm doing and even greater. His disciples in that moment, I want to propose to you. I like to imagine. I like to live in the scriptures when I'm reading. I like to imagine what it was like. Because I'm very visual when I learn, even when I see. So for me, I I imagine. I think in that moment, Peter probably was like, yeah. Because you know, Peter is the, the crazy type. You know, the same guy who cut the guy's ear off. Peter's like, yeah. Then the others were like, "Uh, uh, I'm not sure. Because I think grandpa will be really upset. This is not biblically correct. I don't know if I can go lay hands on the sick. I don't think I can do it. We had the Holy Moses, the Holy Joshua, and those guys do it. But we're just fishermen. What's the point? When Jesus came on the scene, yes, the cross of Jesus Christ changed everything. But his life was a prophetic picture of what was to come. When Jesus died on the cross, this is the sign on the cross, right? You guys with me? He died on the cross, of course, to give his life for us, but his life also closed up an era, the Old Testament, and opened up a new era, the New Testament. That's based on the blood of Christ and because of the blood of Christ, we go through his blood. Now we live under this new covenant of grace and because we've said yes to Jesus Christ, we're born again, we have the spirit of the living God that's living on the inside of us and God goes, you can all... Do the stuff. Now let me bring this back to the prophetic. Every single one of you in this room can hear the voice of God. It's the inheritance of every child of God to hear the voice of their father. i got to say that again. It's the inheritance of every child of God to hear the voice of their father. What kind of a dad would you be if you played the silent role at home? there'd be a problem at home. If your son or your daughter was craving to hear your voice and you played the silent game, I'd be worried. I'd be like, what are you doing? Because the greatest way you build relationship is through open communication. We're part of a local church. Great, great team. Great church. When you're part of a local church, you know, for me, I'm like, I'll serve anywhere. I'll clean the toilets. I'll do whatever it takes. I want to serve anywhere. And one of the things that I've, we've had the privilege of doing is we've had the privilege of doing marriage counseling. I'm not great at it, but for me, I'm like, if there's a need, I'll step in and do whatever I can. But very often when you talk to couples, so much of the time, 80% of the times, it's broken communication the husband hasn't said what he's feeling or the wife doesn't have freedom to talk or whatever it is. this broken communication. We've cut the channels of communication. How do we expect to grow in our relationship with Heavenly Papa if we don't hear from him every day? God wants to speak to you more than you ever desire to hear from him. One of the first things the Lord told me when I just got saved, I, was, I would lock myself in the room and pray for hours. Wouldn't hear anything. I remember I was a, I was a university student in New Zealand and I had this I had the party flat because, you know, before I got saved, I was like, man, all the alcohol and I won't mention what else was in our flat. It was the party flat. And uh, I get saved and I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn this into a worship house. And I would go into my room and I would pray and I would ask the guy who invited me to church, I'm praying. I heard this guy move in the prophetic and and the Bible says God's not a respecter of man. So why is God not speaking to me? He said, you need to pray. Okay, cool. I'll pray. Read the Bible. I'll read the Bible. And then I'd come to him and say, oh, I, I, I had that, you know, I constipated look. Or oh, that looked like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Oh, I've been praying for so long, nothing's happening. He's like, you need to be still. Okay, so this is what I would do. I'd go to my room, switch off the light. And I had this study table, which I never studied on. But the study table, I had a Kenwood speaker and I had the chair. I put out the chair. I would go under the chair and just sit there in pin drop silence. It's pitch dark. Because I was like, now I'm in silence, God will speak. And I would wait there for half an hour, 40 minutes, nothing. Then I was really ticked off. I was like, dude, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, nothing. He's like, you're expecting to hear God with your physical ears, God will speak to you in your inner ears. I was like, what are you talking about? Come from a Hindu family, inner, outer ears? I mean, you make me sound like I need a psychiatrist. Like, are you for real? And he was like a black guy from Solomon Islands with dreads. Yeah, my brother, God going to speak to you. And then he'll just break out in tongues. And I was like, you're a freak. <laughs> but I'll never forget, I heard a, I heard a prophet do a six-part teaching. And I chewed it up, how to be led by the Spirit of God. And I began to learn how to hear God's voice. It was a process. I am not a, um, let me say it this way. I'm not a sovereign vessel. I'm a simple person. I have prophet friends who, when they were like three or four, Jesus walked in their room or something like that. And that makes me jealous. That happened. A lot of those encounters happened to me after I got saved. But before that, nothing. Simple childhood. I mean, the first experience I had was demonic and I was six. So it's the other side. So it wasn't a lot of fun. But I'm not a chosen, like, you know, let me say it this way. We all are chosen. I'm not a, you know, a, a, a vessel that's, oh, set apart. We're all just normal people. I watch normal movies. I I love fashion. I love to, you know, go out. I love the beach. I mean, I just do normal things. I love my family. I mean, I'm just a simple, simple person. If God can use somebody who's an ex-drug addict from a Hindu family, never knew squat about the gospel, didn't even barely knew about the name of Jesus, then God can definitely use you. And here's the thing. I, I, I began to learn how God would speak. But one of the first things the Lord told me was this. Your passion, son, to hear me, in comparison to my desire to speak to you, cannot even compare. In other words, God's desire to communicate is far greater than my desire to hear him. So if you're striving to hear from God, I want to put you at ease. I want to, I want to just relax you. God wants to talk more than you even want to listen. And the more you grow in him, the more I've grown in him, there are times I'm like, Lord. Like, he just talks and talks. I'm like, okay, God, like, I'm tired now. There was a time like over a decade ago, 11, 12 years ago, I'm like, God, tell me and I'll do anything. And, you know, I mean, he would make me do the most simplest things. But it was out of that friendship. And now it's like, I'm tired and the Lord will be like, I want you to go up to this person and do this. I mean, now I do things that God told me over a decade ago that I would do. I'm standing before people that I'm like, I have no qualifications to be here. If you don't show up, I'm wasting their time. But it's amazing when you just say, hey, it's just me and my God. And I'm learning to love God, love community and hear from him. It's amazing what God will do, but what I want to lay as a foundation is this. God wants to speak to every one of you. His desire to speak to you is far greater than your desire to even listen. Yeah. Wow. Jesus changed it all when he said, you can do the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read a couple of more scriptures before I pray over you guys. If you guys can turn to the book of John, chapter 10, verse 27. I'm sure some of you have already read these scriptures, but I just want to kind of, build into them a little more. John chapter 10 verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep. How many sheep do we have here? What are the rest of you? My sheep. Here is God saying, listen, all of my kids, all of my people, they hear my voice, they follow me and I know them. If you are sitting in your mind, disqualifying yourself, saying, I can't hear from God. I just gave you scriptural proof from the New Testament that says you're believing a lie. God desires to speak to every one of you. So here's the thing. If what we read is true, and it is true because it's in the word, what are we doing with it? The one thing I can say with, with absolute humility... From the day I got saved, because of my experience, my encounter, I've always wanted to grow in my walk. I've always wanted to be compelled. I've always wanted to be challenged in my walk. I've always wanted to be broken before the Lord. And every time I would see a man or woman of God, or I would just hear somebody who would hear God in an amazing way or do something amazing for God, I'll be like, I want that. I want that. If you can do it with them, you can do it with me. I'm ready to go through whatever process. Take me through the process. Take me through the breaking. Take me through whatever you want to do. I want that. I want to propose to you, whenever you see someone moving in a particular anointing, God is saying, this is available for you and far greater. Here is my cry and here's my desire. I don't know what, how, how much exposure you've had to the prophetic. I'm really not sure. But here's what I do want to say. Every one of you can hear God's voice for yourself, but every one of you can hear God's voice for the world around you. Yeah, right. You can do far greater than what you've seen this morning. In fact, you can do far greater than what you've seen on the internet and stuff like that. You might you might know some of the most accurate prophetic voices. I've had the privilege of meeting many of them, and you might see and go, "Wow!" Here's the thing: make sure your wow doesn't leave you where you're at. Make sure your wow moves you into a place of desire to say. I am going to do what it takes. So if you're going to do what it takes, you need, you need to be able to do a few things. You need to be able to step out. I was sitting with a, uh, a business person. This is a while back. And we were having a meal. And I asked the guy a question. I said, do you believe it's possible to be 100% sure you've heard from God? Person stopped, looked at me about it for maybe a moment I said no i don't think so i said you're absolutely right because the bible says without faith it's impossible to please him there are going to be moments where you're like i think or i sense god is saying this i'm not fully convinced i'm not sure you will never know until you step out some of you prophetically are carrying the miracles of the people around you in word form and if you don't step out they won't receive it some of you, God wants to place you in high places of influence. He wants to give you prophetic strategy like Daniel, like Joseph. But unless you step out, you won't know what you're carrying. I grew up playing a lot of sports and they say practice makes perfect. It's the same in the prophetic. I won't say practice makes perfect. I'll say practice makes maturity in gift. I tell the students who I train, train in the prophetic, I said, I could write a book on the prophetic And one chapter on what I've done right and the rest of the book is on all my mistakes. True story. But for me, I just go for it. Like my wife can tell you stories of how I've missed it. I've just gone for it. I've made a fool out of myself. But here's the thing. When you don't care about dignity, you don't give a flying rip about those things. God goes, I'm using you. Because you don't really care what people say or think. You don't really care about your name or being known. You're like, I don't care. I want to be hidden. The Lord asked me a question a long time ago. Would you rather be known on the earth or in heaven? I was like, heaven. Keep me hidden. Keep me hidden. And he said, yeah, because son, part of your call is to make other people famous. I was like, the first time he said that, I was like, ouch, but now I'm loving it. I'm like, okay, cool. But here's the thing, guys. Some of you, God's already been speaking to you. So I want to speak to your spirit and say, rise up. Some of you, you're like, I want to hear God. I want to say to you, God wants you to hear Him more than you want to hear Him. Some of you are like, "Uh, I I want to do great things for God. God has been waiting from eternity saying, yes! I was waiting for you to be born so we could partner together. I could love you and we could change the world. Do you know you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you? Where is God going to speak on the inside? Because He lives on the inside. But it takes that moment of being sensitive, just waiting on him, you know, waiting on his presence. It's amazing what happens when you still yourself, quiet your heart, quiet your soul, how God speaks. Sometimes you can't get him to be like, God, enough. Sometimes I'm like, God, okay, like, thank you, but I would like to kind of move on. God loves chatting. We don't serve a quiet father. We serve a talkative father. Who loves to talk to his kids. I love picking up my son from school because the drive back, I'm like, how was your day at school? Come back, we'll chat. It might be 10, 15 minutes of chat, but I love those moments because in those moments, there's heart exchange. Something takes place. God desires you so much. Do you know God doesn't just love you? He likes you. Some of you are not convinced. God actually likes you. Do you know that the anointing flows at its highest capacity through authenticity? be you, yeah. right. be you, yeah. I was with a, with a friend, a, um, he's overseeing a bunch of churches and uh, having lunches a few days before I flew out. And, uh, he was, he was very gracious. And he said, you know, man, you, you did so well. He was talking about pro- uh, a particular prophetic conference. And he said, you were sharing the pulpit with, you know, a couple of guys. And he said, but you were just, you were just you, you just kind of held yourself. I said, yeah, cause I'm comfortable in being me. Yeah. I tried years ago being somebody else, but I realized they were taken. So I'm going to be me. My own goofy self. And when I'm me being my goofy self, joking around, laughing, more happens by mistake because the anointing will flow through who you really are. Be you. God likes you. Bill Johnson says, God didn't have you and he didn't like it, so he made you. Some of you didn't get that. Before you existed... God didn't like it, so he made you because he likes you. You were a dream in his heart and his mind. Do you know that? You were a dream in the Father's heart. So can you imagine his passion for you? I want to close by just sharing a couple of things. If we're going to be a prophetic people that hear the voice of God, if we're really going to believe that God can speak to all of us, many of you probably hear God's voice a lot. Many of you probably are already very, very prophetic. But I want to challenge you. Why not grow even more? Why not say God even more? If you've settled and say like, man, I've arrived. Wow. Let me say, don't, don't stay in that place. Trust me. I'd rather fall on the rock than the rock fall on me. So I want to encourage you. If you say, I can hear God's voice, there's room to grow. There's room to grow. I can give you stories after stories of how I've grown I had a conversation with somebody and he was like, I've seen you like, you know, uh, you've called people's middle names, first names, street addresses, all these things. How long have you been doing this? I was like, uh, about two years. They're like, no. I was like, yeah. I was like, I've been prophesying for 15 years, but this has been only in the last two to two and a half years. So it's true. I'm not going to make it up and show myself better than I am. Yeah. It's been two years. Yeah. But why? I've learned so many lessons along the years and I've learned this one thing. God can use any one anyone if you are going to prophesy first corinthians chapter 14 this is my last verse first corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 actually i'm gonna read two verses first corinthians chapter 14 verse 1 the bible says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy i love that pursue love that's the greatest thing let me just lay that lay it out there the greatest foundation is love He says, and desire that you may eagerly prophesy. God wants you to prophesy. Do you know that? How do you think God's going to be known in the church and in the world? Through prophetic people. The Bible says the glory of the Lord, or the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. How is it going to fill the earth? With uh, millions of people who have the Spirit of God on the inside of them, who are able to declare what God is saying. He didn't say just the glory. He said the knowledge of the glory how is the knowledge of heaven's glory going to come on the earth when you and me in our spheres of influence in business in law in education in government are able to open our mouth and speak what God is saying things can shift I've been brought into environments where I'm like this is not church world and God will move and sometimes I'm there I'm like they're, they're bringing me in to prophesy I'm like I have nothing God I don't even have a word I don't even have hello like from heaven you know I can say hello but I mean like I have nothing And I'll just put myself in this place where I'm like, God, you brought me here. Obviously, you want to speak. And suddenly, God will move in and he'll speak. I don't know what you guys are doing. Some of you might be business people. Some of you might be lawyers. Some of you might be in accounts. But when you are relaxed and you're yourself, when you're at rest, God's voice begins to become so loud and clear. Here's the thing, if you're going to prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14, same chapter, I'm going to read verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to them. If you prophesy, please don't do this. God says, I saw the sin you did last night. We don't call people sin, we call the gold and the glory that's been residing on the inside of them since the day they were born. I prophesied to people who are not believers about their dreams and they've wept. I forgot that dream over 10 years ago. And Christians are like, they're not even a believer. Do you know some of you have dreams in your heart that Jesus placed on the inside of you and it takes the prophetic to call it out? Exhort. Comfort. Do you think that mom who lost little Hannah wanted comfort? That prophetic word comforted her. Hannah is in heaven. Hannah is in your future. You will see Hannah again. What about that mommy who lost her 24-year-old son? Couldn't run. He's running in heaven! You're going to run with him, with Jesus. Exhortation. Encouragement. What does the word encouragement mean? Encouragement. Encourage to put courage inside someone. Have you ever been through a broken season? Maybe you are in a broken season, in a difficult place. One of the greatest things you need is people around you who can hear God and prophesy courage. I've been in seasons where I've been so broken where I had nothing left but tears. And God would encourage me or he would send someone who encouraged me out of the blue and I'm like, oh my God, that is my lifeline for the next three months. If I don't have that, I don't think I would have been able to go on. You and me are called to be prophetic people who speak the word of the Lord and the heart of God in the places that he's placed us. Maybe you're a stay-home mom and you say, hey, I'm I'm not a lawyer. You, as a stay-home mom, have the greatest position of influence. You have little superstars that God is allowing you to raise up. Say what God says over them. Don't hold back. Because there'll be a day they're going to leave your home. If you're a lawyer, speak. God, we want to see legalistic or or laws the judicial system shift you need to speak it am I speaking to someone? God is speaking to every single one of you in fact I want to prophesy I believe God's going to begin to raise prophets even from this house but they might not necessarily be church prophets they might be business prophets they might be governmental prophets like Daniel and Joseph and that's absolutely fine be you follow your desire God's made you unique Here's what I want to do. If I came here, I came here for this one thing I felt, at least for today, I felt my assignment was to share this foundation. I am not more special than anyone. All of you can hear the Father. But the second thing I feel like I'm really supposed to do is pray for impartation. If you say, hey, I want to grow in the prophetic. I've had people pray for me who are well-known prophets who've been 20 years ahead of me. Sometimes immediately I've been catapulted to a deeper level. Sometimes I've received impartation in seed form. So I receive it today, God prepares me. Three years later, I'm walking what they're walking in. But three years took process so I could handle that. So this is not a magic formula. I'm going to pray for you. Some of you might feel it immediately and you'll feel a change. Some of you might receive it as seed form. A year later, you'll walk in it. But here's the thing. How do you know you've received impartation? I ask this to many people I train up People go, I felt fire. I go, that's not how you know you receive impartation. I fell down. That's not how you know you receive impartation. I I began to shake. I scream. No. Because there are a lot of people who go like this, they feel nothing. You only know you received impartation when you step out and do something with it. I meet people who are just fat in the spirit, they're not giving anything away. Give it away freely you have received give it the more you give God will give you more I spend myself sometimes because I'm like God will give me more so I can be a blesser and a builder for people so if you're here you say hey I want a greater measure of the prophetic the spirit of wisdom and revelation of my life I want you to stand up